Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel, Kaneohe. Today, Pastor Ralph continues with his message entitled, Moving from Despair to Destiny, Absorbing God's Peace. This is part two. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Get it on, is what he's saying. Well, you know, how do you, how do you do that? I mean, how do you, when, you know, when things are going rotten, how do you get above it all? Because this is the problem. We become prisoners of our own emotions and the little thought bombs, the little fiery darts that Satan sends our way. How do you get out of that? The sovereign God is my strength. The sovereign God, the God who is over all, who's got hands on it all, who's in control of it all, is my strength. He is my salvation. And whether you know God intimately, or you barely know Him, or you're trying to get to know Him, you've got to know He's there, and when you call on Him, He answers, and He does stuff. One of the things I always try to get people to do is write down your prayers in a journal, because you, you pray, and then you forget about it, and God answers it, and you don't remember to say thank you. But in the thank you process, you're going, whoa, he sure pulled that one off in a way that surprised me. And it builds your faith. And Paul is telling us to rejoice in the Lord because it becomes our tool against the, the, the schemes of the, the wicked one that comes to destroy us and to ruin our lives. And God wants to bless us and, and strengthen us and get us above and beyond all of this. Am I making sense? You know, stop and think about this. Stress, anxiety, depression... In the old days, we'd call that mental illness. Wouldn't we? That's what people would use. A headache is mental illness. True? So this theory of spirituality, to be consistent, would say, never take an aspirin. You're not trusting the Lord enough. That's the way I was until I got busted. And then I came out going, why? The doctor did me a lot of good. And I thank God for doctors. I thank God for aspirin. I thank God for Xanax. But as soon as I got calm, I could tell, I could just look at my life. I could, I could step back and separate all the conflicting things that were running around in my head. And I realized that something really had died inside of me spiritually. And I'd gotten to a place where I didn't rejoice in the Lord. I focused on my problems. In fact, my prayer life was basically, Lord, do this and do this. and do, I'm desperate and da, 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 da. And there's a point and a time for that. But there's also a time to go and sit back and go, wow, look at the wonderful things that you've done and look what you're capable of and be for victory here, baby. I'm counting on you. Am I getting anywhere? And so this, this business of rejoice in the Lord comes down to you know, if the, if the crops die in the fields and the cattle are out of the barn and you lost everything in the stock market, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. And you stand on that, and what you're doing is you're throwing the door wide open to God's grace in your life. And now you're able to absorb some peace. You're saying, I'm forcibly, visibly, actively going to go out and become partners with God in the midst of this muck that's my life right now. Is that good? You know what? If you were lucky, I'd quit preaching right now because we heard a good sermon. But you are not that lucky. Let's keep going. It goes on, Paul does, and says, Let everyone see that you are considerate in all that you do. All well, that word considerate is, 
is that you consider others. You think about others. You're looking out for the other guy. And, and, and this isn't just a Johnny be nice kind of thing. This is, this is that you engage life. And, you know, this isn't saying roll over and play dead. I had a lady come to me after service last night. And, and you know, I had a guy come to me last night and say, I, I'm on 21 different medications. He's got heart disease. He's got diabetes. And he's had people pressuring him and making him think that he needs to just trust God and quit taking all the medications. And he was so thankful that I got said what I said about taking medications. And we, you know, thank God for science, for doctors. And you know, we, we, we need these things, but this consideration thing. See, you can turn into this, a lady came to me afterwards and she's having this conflict at work and she's wondering should she go ahead and go up the chain and lodge the complaint? Well, of course you should. But you should have a considerate attitude. You shouldn't be a nasty person in the midst of this. You'd be a nice person who's tough. You know? I mean, that's really what it's saying here. And, and so, as, as he says this, I want you to look at this scripture. This one did a lot of good for me. It says, bless those who curse you. This is in Luke. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Part of the problem when I popped was I had an ongoing conflict that I couldn't get to resolution. And I tried. And it just wouldn't get over with. I mean, it'd get over with and then the, guy, the other person would light the fire again. You know, it just, it just went on and on and on and on and on. And so... I, I was getting heat from my friends about, well, forgive them. Well, I already tried. You know, I don't even get forgiveness. I, is it okay, honest, okay to be honest? I don't understand forgiveness. I've been a Christian for 55 years. I don't understand forgiveness. I understand it in the context of God will forgive my sins. I repent. I'm sorry. The Lord offers forgiveness. I have an attitude of repentance towards stuff I forgot I did even. I get that part. You know, you do something wrong, I, I, you know, I'm pretty easy to get along with. If, no matter how bad it is, you turn around and go, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done that. Well, then it's over. I'm, as far as I'm concerned, it's over. Let's, let's just get on with life here. But I don't get his forgiveness when somebody goes, I'm still doing what I'm doing and you're going to eat it. That kind of forgiveness that one really bothers me. Anybody here like that? Huh? The rest of you are liars. <laughs> I just flat don't get it. And so, you know, people are going, you got to forgive them. You got to forgive them. And to me, it sounds like, oh, you got to forgive them. <laughs> and so I'm now mad at all my friends. Get off my back. Because I tried that and it didn't work. I mean, I did. I forgive them. 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 Um. <laughs> Useless. And one day I was reading my Bible, going through one of these prayer journal things, just, and I stumbled across this scripture that I knew was there. But see, there's times when you're reading the Bible and the Holy Spirit just kind of brings it alive. And you go, this one works. This is for me. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who spitefully use you. Well, the blessing part, it's like, I can do that. I don't trust myself to pray for them because I might pray for evil things to happen to them. So I, I'm serious about that. I wouldn't pray for that guy. Today I do. Today I feel love for him. And not everything got resolved either. But I, God did something for me that's really good. I got free. And so I started to go, I understand obedience. I don't mean to understand forgiveness fully, but I understand obedience, and I get what this says. And so I'm going to do this through clenched teeth. God bless them. 
go on and bless them today. And I get up in the morning, you know, I, I, I get up every day now. I learned this rejoice part. There's a scripture in the Old Testament that says, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. I say that every morning out loud as I'm making the bed. No matter how cloudy, no matter what kind of problems, I choose to rejoice in the Lord. Well, as seriously as that was, I chose to bless this other person. And so I begin to just go, God bless him, God bless him, God bless him, God bless him. As an act of obedience to the Lord. More toward God than toward the person at the time I did it. But you know something happened. Something happened. My heart started to get clean of all the frustration and rage and, and, and just, you know, rage isn't as good a word. The, the, the simmering anger that was inside of me. It started to go away. As I started to pray a blessing in this person's life, it actually got to the point where I would actually start to, 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 pray, to pray the prayer with joy toward the other person. A couple months ago, I ran into the other person. I knew I was going to. I was anticipating happily the event. I wanted to see this person. And we had a very nice talk. Very, very nice. Doesn't mean everything went away. But I got free. Am I making sense? You may have somebody in your life that's causing you a lot of grief. Paul says, be considerate toward them. This is one way of doing it. This is one way of doing it. Here's the other thing that happened. Somehow, miraculously, right around that time that I started praying blessing, God started putting distance. Now, it's not physical distance because that's not the issue. But distance, political distance between me and this other person. And so the wounds couldn't happen anymore. There was a freedom that came from that. I believe that was a miracle from God. See, from panic to power. From despair, depression, anxiety, anger. All that goes on to a place where we can live above it. Rejoice in the Lord. Learn to bless people who are cursing you. And look at this last part real quickly. And, and we'll get us out of here hopefully on time. He says, remember the Lord is coming soon. Philippians 4 verse 5. Remember the Lord is coming soon. You know, a lot of people start to struggle with this thing about Jesus coming back physically to earth. And I would struggle with it too. You know, my advice to you as a Christian is to be a faith-filled, cynical person. What do I mean by that? Well, I mean by that that you ought to not just absorb everything that I say and go, oh, Pastor Ralph said it, it's wonderful. You ought to read your Bible enough to go, is that guy telling me the truth or not? I mean, you ought to have some filters up. You ought not to just take everything that comes at you and and, and, and just, you know, accept it as the gospel truth. I mean, there's so much out there. You know, I, I, it's really kind of, a, we're living in a really fun day. Yesterday, I, a, a guy in our church wrote me a, an email, and, and he's in college, and he's having to do a paper on the gospel of Judas. Have you heard about the gospel of Judas? National Geographic has been all over with the gospel of Judas. And, you know, there are these things called the Gnostic Gospels. The Gnostics were a sect of people who had secret knowledge about the world that they wouldn't reveal to anybody. Now that's a little clue of cultish behavior right up front, huh? And they wrote all these screwball things, and there's so many different angles that they came at this. But the Gospel of Judas, which is written about 180 years after Christ, so it couldn't have been written by Judas, nor could it be written by anybody who knew him, purports that Jesus and Judas were in this together and that Jesus, 
paid Judas to betray him so that he could go to the cross. And that Judas was his best friend. And I went on the internet to do a little research about it because it's real. It's a, it's a real ancient document that was dug up in the 1970s. It, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's an authentic document in that it's ancient. It's not authentic in that it's truth because all of the hundreds and thousands of people that were involved in Jerusalem at the time had another whole story to tell. But you know, I, went, I, I, bound on, I, I, I got on some websites that were, you know, people blogs and stuff like that and good night the stuff that people are willing to just swallow they're so gullible but you shouldn't be gullible you shouldn't accept something just because I say it you should check it out and this thing about the second coming of Christ I mean that's quite a tale huh I mean he's going to come in clouds with great glory and the whole world will see him at one time well you know when I grew up in the 1950s that, that was that used to bother me how, the world, the planet is round. How could everybody see him at one time? <laughs> and then we had the Gulf War, and everybody was watching the thing on CNN around the world at one time. And all of a sudden I realized, oh, there's another way of looking at this. But that whole event, you know, it's just, it's just, it's a, it's a mind boggler. Until you read the Old Testament prophets that prophesied Jesus coming back, and they also prophesied events that would happen a couple hundred years after they died. And those things happened. And then they prophesied up at the end of time, the world will look like this geopolitically right before Jesus comes back. And you know what? In my lifetime, I've watched stuff like, you know, there wasn't an Israel for 2,000 years. And in 1947, 48, Israel was reborn. There were people a hundred years ago, pastors, who would preach that you can't accept the book of Revelation and Ezekiel and all that because it talks about there being an Israel. There is no Israel. What a stupid thing. And they would decry the Bible over that. All of a sudden, bing, I'm three years old. There's an Israel again. And from that day to this day, we have come more and more and more into the shape of power blocks, one against the other, that look like what the Bible describes as the alignment of nations just before the Lord comes back. One of the things that the Bible talks about is huge conflict in Israel. And for years it was nothing but a sheep pasture. And all of a sudden it's the most hotly contested piece of real estate in the planet. When you start to read, this prophet said these things and they happened. And then he also said Jesus is going to come back physically. I've got to take that one seriously. Am I, am I getting anywhere? So... Again, what does it do? Well, it points to God as being bigger than I am and bigger, surely, than my problems are. I can rejoice in that. But I think that there's another way we've got to look at this. And, and you may say I'm pressing this a little bit, and maybe I am. But, but God comes to us on a daily basis, and he'll intervene in our life on a daily basis. Jesus will come to you when you pray to him. And, and here's a scripture that comes from the book of Romans in the, in the New Testament. And at least write this as a cross-reference in Philippians. And, and if you got the, you know, get there in your Bible, it's better to look there and you might want to write something down. But he, he talks about vengeance and, and revenge and, and dealing with people who are hurting you. And he says, never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Romans 12 verse 17. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are an honorable person. Don't stoop to revenge. You live your life in an honorable way, above board, honest, clear, clean, open conscience. 
You do your part to live in peace with everyone. Whatever it takes, you do your part. Sometimes it takes confrontation. You go to a person that's giving you a bad time, and you go, let's get this on the table and talk it through. Jesus said, you got a problem with a person, they sin against you, go to them alone, talk it out. If they won't hear you, take two or three others so that there can be witnesses in case they're a liar. And if then it doesn't do any good, then treat them like a heathen. Walk away from them and, and, and abandon them. Now, he's not saying that you roll over and play dead and let them crush you. But don't be a, a, a revenge seeker either. Do your part to live in peace with everyone as much as possible. Dear friends, never avenge yourselves. Leave that to God. Don't seek revenge. Let God do that stuff. God's in the judgment business as well as the blessing business. Let him take care of that. It says, for it is written, I will take vengeance. I will repay those who deserve it, says the Lord. I'll take vengeance. I'll repay. You don't worry about it. It's not your problem. And then it says something kind of interesting. It says, instead do what the scriptures say. If your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And they will be ashamed of what they've done to you. And don't let evil get the best of you. But you conquer evil by doing good. Read that last sentence. Don't let evil get the best of you. But you conquer evil by what? Doing good. Okay? If your enemy is hungry, give him food. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. You be nice. You get along. You do the best you can to make peace. Let God worry about the revenge thing. You know, have you ever gotten somebody that is, you know, doing you wrong at work or something, and then you, you caught them doing something, and now you got them in your gun sights. And, and now you can go to the boss and go, look what they did here. And then they wiggle right out of it. You know, I, I, I've come to realize that whenever I step in and try to do the revenge thing, that I'm getting in God's way, because he's really trying to set them up for the big one. And then I go and go, all right, now's my chance. And then God has to back off and wait for another opportunity. That's the way it works. You know, it's business where it says that if they're hungry, give them something to, to eat. If they're thirsty, give them something to drink. And they'll be ashamed of what they've done to you. That's not really what it says. The, the translators chose to interpret what it says. What it literally says, it comes from the Old Testament in the book of Proverbs. It says, give them food when they're hungry. Give them water when they're thirsty. In so doing, you'll heap coals of fire on their head. Now, if you read that and you're talking about God getting vengeance, what do you think it means? You be nice to them and God's going to burn them. Huh? I can go with that. <laughs> and so can most of you. See, you've been looking so pious all morning, now the truth's coming out. But there's another possibility here. You know, if you've been in third world countries, I, I just came back from Nepal. If you read about today's paper, Nepal is a wreck. You ought to really pray for the Christians in that country. Huge riots going on, people getting killed. Uh, repressive government, ugly. But you see people carrying, I see women carrying bricks on their head. They got a board construction site. They, they bring the bricks in a truck, dump them. Then the guys are up there with the mortar and stuff building the building and there's ladies with a little board on their head with maybe eight or nine heavy bricks and they're carrying bricks on their head. That's how they carry stuff. And so it's possible when Paul says that, they, that you'll be heaping coals of fire in their head that what he's really saying is you'll be blessing them as if their fire went out in their house and they didn't have matches and they didn't have electric stoves and they got to get some fire and your enemy comes to your house and says, can I borrow some coals from your fire to relight my kitchen? And you've done something that's so kind as that. And we don't know for sure what that means. There's about probably 
16, 17 passages in the Bible where we just flat out don't know what in the world it meant. It, it, we know what it could mean. It either meant let God, God will burn them or you're doing something so incredibly nice for them. We don't know what it means. But you know what? It really doesn't matter. Because the overall context of the thing is saying don't go blasting people. Don't go seeking revenge. You overcome evil with good. Huh? You overcome evil with good. Well, what is this about? Well, it comes back to Philippians. Remember that the Lord is coming soon. And he's coming soon physically and all that. But he's also coming soon to your neighborhood when you call on him. And if you'll learn to rejoice in the Lord, treat people with consideration, even your enemies, and step aside and let the Lord come into the situation and do what needs to get done, then it'll get done. And you can have this, this last thing here. This comes from later on in the passage. The God of peace will be with you. You can come to a place where you're absorbing God's peace and God's kindness in the midst of the chaos that may be your life right now. What am I saying? What I'm basically saying is you be a person that in the midst of darkness and gloom, chaos, anxiety, panic, anger, whatever, chooses to rejoice in the Lord. You be a person that chooses to live your life blessing other people, no matter who they are, whatever they do. You rejoice in the Lord, what happens? Hope comes into your heart immediately. You begin to bless other people who are hurting you, God will intervene and he'll find a way to buffer you against the pain in your life and he'll cleanse your soul of the corrosion that's inside of there. And when it comes to, to vengeance, remember the Lord is near. Let him do his thing and just... You, you don't have to sully yourself with that. You know, every so often I, I talk to somebody and I, I, I think there's, there are legitimate reasons to go to court and, and, and I thank God that we have the system we have and, and there's times to sue somebody. I, I think there are. But every so often I see somebody and they get into something and it's kind of, it could go, you know, you're not really sure about it and they've made the decision to hire the attorneys and go and, 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 and do the lawsuit. And I, I've watched this happen before. I've seen people have their lives bogged down by this thing for years and years and years and years and they put their whole life on hold. And I think, what a foolish mistake. Just let the Lord take care of it. God has a way of blessing and of adjusting and of equalizing. He's the great equalizer. That's what justice and judgment are all about. Let God be God in your life. Let God be God in your life. Is this good? Well, let's pray. Let's pray together. Some prayers of declaration. I'm going to pray out loud. Then you say the statement out loud as a, as a congregation. We'll pray together. Dear God, I trust you. I believe you. I believe in you. And I will rejoice in my relationship with you. Though everything goes haywire. I choose to rejoice. And I choose to bless today those people that cause me grief. And God, I can picture their face in my mind. Bless that person. Bless that person. Bless that person. And God, I make a choice. That vengeance is yours. It's not mine. 
I will not seek revenge. I will trust you. And I will absorb. And I will embrace. And I will grab hold of. The peace that you offer. God your peace in my mind. You know I need it. You know I crave it. I choose. To take these steps. That you've given me. Amen.